And a pleasant good evening, Mets fans, and welcome back to the Pleasant Good Evening Podcast. My name's Sam Lebowitz, joined as always by my lovely co-host Jack Hendon. But it's not just me and Jack today. We are also joined by a guest. We are joined by our good friend and now friend of the podcast, Rob Pearsall. Guys, how are we doing today on a Sunday that we thought would have baseball on it, but doesn't have baseball on it? I don't think baseball exists. I don't think that Mets baseball uh, is actually real. I've heard about it, but still haven't seen it so i should be getting uh sloshed and complaining about why luis rojas uh put aaron lupin to face a right-handed batter right about now and uh, and lamenting that we didn't complete a sweep of the nationals that's what we should be doing so i'm like trying to move on from that trying to forgive and forget but you know it's cruel. It's truly cruel that we don't yeah. have Mets baseball this weekend. It's like mm-hmm. we were right there. We were right there. It was a good week for Mets fans. We had the Lindor extensions. You know, we're going to talk about all this, but uh, uh, I needed that game on, on Thursday night and we didn't get it. It's, it makes me so mad, but yeah. um, uh, let's, let's introduce Rob a little bit. Rob is, is an executive editor with our former, our former uh, hosting site, Mets Marized. Uh, he's still doing good work over there. He also is the man behind the Real Mets Legends Twitter account, which obviously goes hand in hand with what we do here. We remember guys all, every week on our podcast, and he is just that is a pot, that is a, a account devoted to remembering guys constantly. That's their shtick, and and Rob is the brainchild uh, of that. He also just started a podcast for Real Mets Legends. That's uh, let me pull the ad up real quick. It's uh, at let at Mets Legends Cast. Rob does that with Mike Rosen, uh, and they talk about your favorite forgotten Mets. So, uh, Rob, if you want to plug uh, any of that stuff, feel free. Um, mm-hmm. But, you know, we know that you do good work over there. We know you're a great Twitter follow. You covered the Michael Conforto press conference day. We saw that. So, mm-hmm. good stuff, man. Yeah, thank you, guys. Yeah, I'm really stoked to be here. Um, you know, it's uh, always a, a listen to mine every week whenever you guys release a new episode. and. Um, you guys have been doing some really exciting stuff and I'm really excited to be in uh, some good company with you guys and also with people like Trevor Hildenberger, who's another friend of the pod. And um, yeah, it's a, it's a historic moment for us today, I think. Uh, so I'm really stoked to be here. We're stoked to have you. Rob, also just a delightful human being and a good friend. And Thank we love you guys. You. Yeah. We lo- and we love you. That you uh, <laughs> very cute cat that you can't see on the, uh, on the, in the podcast has interrupted a few times already, but it's, it's, it's all good fun. It's really, he's looking out the window. He's looking out the window now. I think that uh, he forgot about wanting to hang out with me. So hopefully we'll, uh, hopefully we'll keep that at bay for the next, uh, the next hour or so. All right. So why don't we get into the content of this week's episode and we're going to kind of go in chronological order in terms of the Mets stuff, because we kind of, we weren't sure how to stack the show. Because uh, there's the Lindor stuff that we absolutely have to talk about at the top of the show, but there's also the COVID Nationals stuff that we also want to talk about at the top of the show. We're going to go in chronological order. We're going to talk Lindor first because Francisco Lindor, by the way, if you have maybe missed the news, I, I don't know. Uh, he's a Met for the next 11 years. The yeah. Mets uh, signed an extension with Lindor right on the eve of opening day. Broke at like 11.22 at night. Uh, mm-hmm. Jeff passing with the trade that 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 are the uh, the tweet that came in. I was kind of I don't know about you guys it, not anticipating it. I thought it probably wasn't going to happen. I thought he was going to hit the open market uh, or at least, you know, 
maybe conversations would leak into the regular season, but I, I definitely didn't think they were getting one done before game action started. And what it turned out to be was it's his, his one year left on his act on his active contract. And then a 10 year extension that's going to pick up after that starts $341 million, which is one mil more than what Fernando Tatis jr. Got earlier in the off season. So uh, a little petty there. He wants yeah. to beat the other shortstop that got extended this off season, but mm. still he's a Met for life. Yes. No, like there's no opt-outs. Like he's staying mm. put here and that's yep. so exciting. And he has a, he has a limited no trade clause too, right? To uh, 15, yeah, 15 teams. teams. 15 so, teams. I mean, yeah, I mean, we're going to see Lindor till we're uh, till we're some old men. Uh, so that's going to be uh, it's going to be exciting. Rob, I'll be your age when the uh, when the, the the contract's up, right? No, oh. ten, 10 years after that, and then you'll be my age. Yeah. Right. Oh, perfect. Um, God, no, it's and you know I don't even care if this ends up being a bust. And we heard that like the entire the entirety of Monday night and also Tuesday night because at that point it was the numbers at play were that, you know, the Mets were only willing to do 325 million. Francisco Lindor wasn't taking anything less than 385. And there were conversations about how Lindor was asking for too much. When I say conversations, I mean, amongst the fan base, because this is not a, you know, this is, it's always the fans that, that do this kind of stuff where it's like, Oh, he's asking for too much. He's not that good. I'm going to boom on opening day. He's betraying us. It's, it's, you know, it's a lot of money. It's, there's no difference. And it's like, you know, he's that good. He is that good. And also he's the best. He's probably, if he continues to produce at the clip he's been producing with Cleveland, he's going to go down as the best shortstop in Met history. He's easily going to be the best player the Mets have had since David Wright. If he isn't already in that echelon, he was more or less to Cleveland what David Wright was to us the last, you know, five, four or five years. Like you need to take a gamble on that. I think it was Andrew Friedman who said, if you spend rationally, if you're always doing like what's rational and taking like the middle ground, so to speak, you're going to finish in third place. You have to take risks. Uh, there's never been a situation like this and an opportunity like this for the front office to take a risk. And they did it. And to make it even better, they did it when we thought they weren't going to do it. Like that was just, that was the best part. It, it was yeah. a tie between Taiwan Walker, like foreshadowing it with the, with the tweet, sort of breaking it before it happened. And then it happening despite no, real reports up to that point in that day that would suggest that it was going to happen. Just very pleasant surprise. It was, it seemed to be radio silence the whole day, the whole day. There was really no word. I think there was like one or two John Heyman tweets that was like, they're really not talking today. And I was like, ah, crap. Uh, Mm. And then the passing tweet came through and I was, you know, watching some, watching something on TV and, and in bed and, I saw the tweet and I like leaped out of bed and like woke my roommate up. Cause for whatever reason, my roommate was <laughs> asleep at 1130 at night on a Wednesday evening. Uh, sorry, Kyle, but I, I guess I woke him up by accident uh, with my hooting and hollering. And um, I was so excited. I was so excited. And you know, if it didn't happen, I was ready to, to find David meters address and, and knock on his door and say, Hey, you're, you're a bad agent. Uh, yeah. cause that's, that seemed to be the guy to blame here. Uh, yeah. the agent David meter 
We can do that already because he's he's responsible for the Ozzy Albies contract. Is it Ozzy Albies or Ronald Acuna? They're both, both. both. They're both. both? Of, I think it's both. I think it's both of them. I could be wrong, but it's at least Albies. I think it could be both of them now. I'll double check on that right now. Uh, but yeah, it's at least Albies. And that that deal was awful, man. I mean, that's just like an insulting contract. Yeah, we let it happen. It's it, it's whatever. It's sort of. I mean, the nice thing about it is it's behind us. I can't say that I had the same experience finding out. I was in the middle of a, a friendly match of uh, Among Us, and uh, the the I basically got the text from Sam, and at that point I had to log off and be like, "There's no way, right? Like, there's no way it happened." And sure enough, it did happen. And then 12 mm-hmm. hours later, I mean, this was all 12 hours before, like, or tw- I guess more like what say like give or take 18 hours 19 hours before opening day was really supposed to commence and we were going to get the first pitch and then like 12 hours after the extension the game is postponed and at that point i don't know about you guys i was convinced that i i knew the series was going to be postponed yeah COVID cases like that that seemed pretty obvious but it just yeah and it just sucks it's it's you know it's a it's the ups and downs couldn't just we couldn't just go from one up into the 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 joy of a season starting uh, yeah, we got the we a lot a lot of Mets fans were saying something to the extent of uh, maybe the Lindor extension doesn't happen, but at least we have opening day tomorrow. And then it turned out we got the Lindor extension, but we didn't get opening day. I don't know. I mean, there's a silver lining here. Is that yeah. is that we we do get instead of Max Scherzer on opening day, we get Matt Moore on opening day against Jacob Degrom, which is cool, I guess. Whatever. Uh, and I'd, FPN, I'd much rather we get Gary Keith and Ron. But yeah, yes, no, sorry. Yeah, no, A Rod. And I would much rather. This is a bad thing to say. I'd much rather the other team have the COVID cases than the than the Mets, because uh, there's we still don't know if the Nationals are going to play tomorrow. They still yeah, have that decision. If they do too, it looks like it's you're going to have like Jonathan Lucroy behind the dish and like the Harrisburg senators filling out the rest of the 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 yeah. roster. So it's going to be. And it, that does kind of stink. I think that like if the Braves do end up playing like a like a beat up Nationals team, uh, you know, it's the Braves are gonna are gonna steamroll them. But you know, I think definitely you're right with with the silver lining is that we do get to open up in Philly. Matt Moore, who pitched in Japan last year, I think, but before that had an ERA in like the mid fives. So. Um, you know, and the Mets seem to, in recent years at least, I, I don't know the exact record, but seems like they play fairly well against the Phillies too. So it's something that, and I don't think the Phillies are necessarily as good as they played this past weekend. Um, I know Luis Rojas was like calling them kind of like, he was kind of praising them a little bit uh, recently today. Um, but I, I don't think that they're they're nearly as good as they looked this weekend. Yeah, they yeah. swept the Braves this weekend. They it's crazy. Uh, yeah, Braves kind of looked not so great. Uh, the the middle game was was you know what are you gonna do because Zach Wheeler pitched the the crap out of it. Uh, one hit that whole seven staff innings. did. Yeah, yeah, the whole staff had a good week and Nola was pretty good on opening day. And then uh, was it Eflin who pitched yeah. today? Eight mm-hmm. strikeouts. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, who knows what the Phillies are? I don't think the Phillies are that good, but. You know, you could luck into a sweep every now and again. Maybe the Braves. Who knows what what the Braves fit, were doing? Uh, regardless, um, yeah, those those games against the Nats will be made up at some point. And I think we also found out today 
most likely who who tested positive because we know who's inactive for the Nationals. They didn't release publicly who's positive, but they said who's going to be inactive when they resume play. And it's it is disappointing that it is the guys that it is. It's the veterans of the team. It's uh, Kyle Schwarber, John Lester, um, Patrick Corbin. Was Corbin one of them too? I think he was on the he was on that. Yeah, it it was guys who have been in the league for a while. Yeah, and I'm gonna I'm gonna try to find the full the full names. Um, I because I know that one of them was Lester and one of them was Schwarber, and it was so which are like two of the guys that were you know brought in. It was okay. It's all all four of them are like relative newcomers. It's Kyle Schwarber, Josh Harrison, who was here last year. Uh, who was with the Nats last year? John Lester and Alex Avila. Okay, oh, so not Patrick cool. Corbin. Not no Corbin. Okay. Yeah, no Corbin. Sorry, uh, Patrick. Those guys are among the players who the Nats expect to be without to start the season. Uh, mm-hmm. I don't know if it's just those four, but it's confirmed that those four will begin the season uh, absent from the team. Um, yeah, they have nine players in quarantine isolation right now. Four players had tested positive. The other five were deemed to be close contacts. So I don't know if those four guys are close contacts or if they're positive cases, but it, it's looking like one of the more veteran members of that Nationals team screwed up somehow, which is like, how does that, how do you do that? It's just annoying. It, it, yeah. it's, it's ridiculous. I think that, and I'm, this isn't to say that like the pandemic is over and we shouldn't be making these mistakes. I think pandemic is still very much going on, but I would imagine if you have a job that requires you to be out and about, so to speak, if you have a job in which, you know, you can't really stay home and, and shield yourself, you should be mindful, should be wearing a mask. Uh, you're, the place that you work should have an actual plan in place for contact tracing and making sure it doesn't spread. Um, and if you are able and eligible to get the vaccine, you should get the vaccine. It's, mm-hmm. and, and I think the fact that Major League Baseball, uh, both the the owners who are responsible for the faulty system that, you know, can't even contact trace effectively, basically, uh, and the players who don't want to take the vaccine looks pretty bad right now uh, mm-hmm. in the scheme of things. I mean, the Mets are in a situation and they screw over the Mets. And that's really because I don't really care about baseball. But like it like the Mets, like we're going to start our season against a team that has won three games in a row. That's not fair. Um, mm-hmm. I'm not going to like, I'm not going to say that like the season's rigged because you know, the momentum is taken away. Momentum's not really real, but like it's, it's not ideal. And it's something that could have been avoided, especially considering we've been through stuff like this before and people still don't want to take it seriously. People still don't want to take the vaccine. It's a personal preference. It's, it's my rights. It's all of that. It's, it's just like, it's exhausting, man. I just wanted to watch baseball this weekend. Yeah. This is yeah. a good transition into a, into a conversation we, we wanted to have today. Cause now twice in the last 48 hours or 72 hours or so, a Mets player has talked to the media and expressed some level of concern for the vaccine. Uh, JD Davis talked on Friday he was on the uh, the podium for like 12 minutes, which is mm-hmm. not all that long for uh, for a player press conference. And 
he was being asked about the vaccine. He was not answering it super great. And they cut his mic and said, we're done here. Uh, and then Michael Conforto talked today. Uh, and he didn't quite say the same level of kind of dumbassery shit that JD was saying. But it was still the same kind of messaging. Yeah. Basically, what it boils down to for both of them was they were saying it's a personal choice. Uh, the vaccine is a personal choice. I don't want to discuss it in public. I'm going to keep those conversations with my teammates and my family behind closed doors, uh, all that stuff. And I, I was saying this on Twitter. If you guys want my full thoughts, it's on my Twitter. Like, I think, yes, it's a personal choice. However, that personal choice is, you know, if you're making the personal choice not to get the vaccine, that's on you. That's a personal choice. It is an incredibly selfish personal choice. Yeah. These vaccines are safe. These vaccines are effective. These vaccines do not have side effects that last longer than 24 to 48 hours or so. And these side effects and these in uh, the vaccines do what they're supposed to do. They lower transmission and they make it incredibly less likely that you, if you come in contact with COVID-19, that you contract it. Mm-hmm. And even if you do come in contact with it, it makes it less likely. We have the science now. It makes it way less likely that you can give it to someone else. It's just, it, you know, it's just the, the J.D. Davis thing was was an absolute disaster. Um, and, you know, even today it was disheartening to hear Conforto, like you said. I mean, like, yeah, sure. Like, yeah, it's a personal choice. But um, and, you know, I, some logic I've heard from from standpoints of the players is like well you know we're not going out you know we're not we're so focused on baseball and we have no reason to violate protocols but it's it's it just it can't be looked at just like that because you know you're traveling you know you're coming into contact with people from other teams you're going to be in stadiums that have people um you know and you have to trust that they're either negative or vaccinated because they have to sub, you know submit some sort of form before they go in but um yeah, it's just like I, I don't really understand the 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 logic of not getting it, you know, and especially with and I think MLB can should have handled it better. I mean, we're we're going into year two of a COVID era baseball, you know, and the Nationals as a team too had their opener last year delayed, right, due to the same thing, or they had players like like around opening day last year that had. Uh, covid or yeah one soto with covid yeah one soto had to miss the first couple of games because they thought that he tested positive it was a false positive but yeah it's not even okay i want to like make it clear neither michael conforto or jd davis actually said they're not planning on taking it yes yes so we don't we don't know we don't know i think okay conforto said that he had covid he had before spring training so he he physically cannot get the vaccine yet the cdc says if you have covid if you test positive got to wait 90 days so he's not quite he's not to 90 days yet he still has the antibodies i have Hmm. a friend whose brother tested positive and she says that rather than getting the vaccine he's opting for the 90-day free trial uh but so conforto can't get it he should have led with that he can't get the vaccine he should have led with that he should have said something to the effect of when he was asked if he's going to take it he should have said well i just had covid i can't yet he uh, buried the lead. He, he like completely buried the lead. Like it was like the second or third question he got asked and he was like, well, you know, I actually did have it. And you know, I mean, it's, you know, 
mm-hmm. neither here nor there, but uh, he he will yes. probably get it because he seems like a guy who's pro- who's got a good head on his shoulder. He doesn't seem like one of these overly conservative ball players. He was apparently a big stoner in college. He's from Washington State. He's yeah. I have a feeling he's probably smart enough to, you know, get the vaccine when it's his turn. However, the issue is the messaging. He's the Mets mm. Players Association rep. He is a union representative. There is a kind of a broad messaging across the board from through many of the players who have been asked about vaccines. And it is this, it is this kind of answer. It is it's a personal choice kind of answer. They're using their platform incorrectly, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. I think that the messaging is flawed and the messaging is dangerous. Uh, someone said, and I liked this, someone said that this this line, the it's a personal choice line, is quickly becoming a euphemism or it's kind of becoming a, a sort of euphemism for being anti-vax. It's kind of an apologetic thing to say towards anti-vaxxers. It's not necessarily, doesn't mean you're anti-vax, but it is, it, you are essentially being an apologist for the people who don't want to take it who don't really have good reasons to not want to take it, whether it's the, mm-hmm. it, there's potential infertility. Nobody knows that that's all fear mongering. The, it might cause infertility. No one actually knows that there's no, there's nothing that backs that up. Yeah. people, I get that people are kind of scared with the side effects and all that stuff. Like, but what all the science says that this is safe and effective and it's the smart thing to do for yourself and for your community. And in the Mets, Mets specifically, they have a teammate who, who had leukemia. Mm-hmm. Like they have high risk teammates. Well, Francisco yep. Lindor's sister has cerebral palsy and he has family that's immunocompromised. Like this mm-hmm. is just, this is something that I think hits at a very important point about like disability and about being considerate of the fact that not everyone around you is a healthy athlete. And even, yep. if, I mean, you know, that's, that's sort of, I think what frustrates me the most is that sure your, your choice uh, is your choice, but it, it's an action that has consequences on other people. It's the same thing. It's almost the same thing as like the free speech thing where it's like, well, you can't target me for saying something that's racist or sexist or homophobic because it's my belief. You can't target me for not wanting to get the vaccine because it's a personal choice, but it's like, all right, well, your personal choice to not get a vaccine. And also in many cases, like not wear a mask, not follow any of the protocol, is going to get somebody who works on the front lines sick. And that's mm-hmm. like, you risk that. That's, that's, that's sort of my two cents on it. It's like, you know, it's not even about whether you think the vaccine is safe or not. It's about whether or not you're willing to put other people at risk to appease your own. Yeah, that's, what I, that's exactly what I mean when I say that it's a selfish personal choice if you yeah. don't get it. Unless yeah. there's a reason where you specifically cannot physically get it, you have uh, there are medical conditions they say pro- you shouldn't you shouldn't take it with or what or something like that. But regardless, whatever, if you can get it, get it. Otherwise, you're being I think ignorant and yeah. putting others at risk. It, Carlos Carrasco is vaccinated. I'm assuming yeah. most of the teammates around him will be vaccinated. However. Yeah. If not everyone's vaccinated, if people are making the willful decision for whatever reason, if they're scared to miss a game because they're going to have side effects, or if they are an athlete who's a super, you know, health freak and is super careful about what they put into their body and they are apprehensive about the vaccine because they don't know specifically the ingredients, what's in it, like all that stuff, whatever the, the reason is, even if you think you're justified in your reasoning, nobody is 100% protected. 
from one vaccine or from both doses or whatever vaccine you get, no one is 100% pr- pr- uh, protected. Therefore, if one person in the room is not vaccinated, if one person in that room has COVID and is not vaccinated, they can still spread it to everyone. The best mm-hmm. protection is everyone on a team, everyone in a community, everyone in a bubble being vaccinated and willfully not getting the vaccine is dangerous for that. And the messaging lets that, you know, lets that idea be valid. It validates the reasoning to not get the vaccine, even if the players who are actually saying it are saying it's a personal choice, still do get the vaccine. It's the messaging is the problem. And the messaging has been consistent across the board from Major League Baseball and others other players like Mookie Betts talked about this about a week ago. He said the same thing. We're going to keep this behind closed doors. This is a personal choice. I don't want to discuss it publicly. That level, that messaging is dangerous across the board because it validates the belief that there is an actual reason not to get the vaccine, which for 99% of the population is not the case. Everyone should get this. And the messaging, I'll just finish up real quick because I've been ranting a little bit. I think the messaging, rather than being it's a personal choice for everyone, I think the messaging should be, this is safe, this is effective, everyone should go get it when they have a chance. Mm-hmm. Yep. Leave it at that. I think, too, it's just like, like you really make a good point. Uh, someone like Mookie Betts is uh, he's one of the best players in baseball. He plays for one of the most popular franchises in baseball and um, plays in a big market. And what he says is going to – influence and impact a lot of people you know so he really does and and these guys that play uh baseball have this this platform to uh to to spread a a good message of and you know and really drive home that message and uh it's really left something to be desired so far and i think that's really disheartening and especially when you see it like when these guys are seeing it happen to these other teams that have these outbreaks i mean you know like especially with the Mets who just had their entire opening weekend series canceled. You know, it's like, let's get this, like, let's get these vaccines and let's get this stuff done with, you know, this is the second year where these things are happening. Let's you have the opportunity to get it as most adults do now get the vaccine. Yeah. I think a lot of this also kind of, it almost reminds me of what we talked about with Trevor Hildenberger two weeks ago. And when I say we talked about, I mean, we sort of let him uh, give his thought on it and we just agreed with it and, let his perfectly stated words exist as they were um this is just like i think it ultimately like brings us into this issue that trevor raised about like you know this is obviously this is a game but like there's also some real life implications to what's happening and i mean we saw this too earlier in the week and i don't think we're gonna have enough time to like really talk about it but i also think it's uh agreed upon for the most part that what, what Major League Baseball decided to do in Atlanta moving the All-Star game was a good decision. The only people that are upset with it are people who are going to boycott baseball so we won't talk about it because just, you know, we assume that they're just done with baseball and they don't care. So whatever, goodbye. Mm-hmm. But like that happening is a step forward. And then, you know, fast forward like two, three days, we're having this instance of like the, the players union kind of being you know, on the fence slash, you know, not willing to, you know, back the vaccine. That's frustrating because it makes it harder for us to enjoy baseball because it ultimately like creates a situation where we're just not happy with like the country we live in, the world we live in, that sort of situation. Like we're not able to, I think, experience baseball as an escape 
or as a reward for a functioning society. And like, I think this week is a pretty up close and intimate example of that because you literally don't have baseball. Like the Mets yeah. don't have baseball, but there is actual baseball. So mm-hmm. I don't know if I want to, I don't know if that's a good place for us to move on to the actual baseball or not. Yeah, but. we we can. I just, there was one thing I wanted to kind of add was, you know, even though the messaging has been kind of problematic and consistent, there are players and teams still getting vaccinated. The, mm-hmm. what you just said, that line baseball, you know, sports is a reward for a functioning society. That was a, that's a quote from Sean Doolittle, who is mm-hmm. one of our favorite people. Yeah. Right? He's awesome. He's awesome, and man. He, he posted a photo of himself getting vaccinated. So he's been outspoken, go get the vaccine, all that stuff, as you wouldn't expect anything less from Sean, because that's the kind of person Sean is and has been for a while now. He is a Washington, or I was going to say he's a Washington National. He's a Red now. He's a Cincinnati Red. He is. Yep. And then the team that the Reds played this weekend, uh, the, the Cardinals, I think to the surprise of a lot of people actually, were the first team to say, we're already over MLB's recommended 85% of the yep. team vaccinated yeah. number. Uh, mm-hmm. base, Major League Baseball has said if a team gets to 85% of the roster vaccinated of, or of the, the team pod, which includes the, the players and the coaches and the staff and all that stuff, 85% get vaccinated. They lessen uh, or loosen the um, uh, COVID protocols for the team. Uh, mm-hmm. You can do kind of more stuff. Players can kind of, you know, see the family and go out a little bit more and like, it's just a little more relaxed in terms of protocols as kind of an incentive for, for teams to get vaccinated. And the Cardinals said, we're already at that, mm-hmm. which kudos to the Cardinals. Like that's really, yep. really great. I yeah, can great. only, I can only hope the Mets hit that when, the, cause the Mets, Michael Conforto did say when the Mets get back to New York, they're all gonna, uh, other players are going to have their opportunities to get vaccinated. Um, mm-hmm. I I'm assuming most teams are going to take the Johnson and Johnson cause it's one dose. Uh, but yeah, I hope the Mets follow suit. I really do. And to you mentioned the All Star Game thing. Absolutely, hundred percent. Baseball did the right thing. We don't really have to yes, talk about it. But mm-hmm. yeah, we're, we, I think we're all in agreement on that. So <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And we can talk. We can talk more. You know, out of the 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 poo poo ethical conversations that we've been doing, and more into the actual baseball because there was a lot of baseball this weekend. I got to yes. watch a good, a good chunk of it, and I'm very happy with with uh, with a lot of it. There's some fun stuff happening. There's some real weird stuff happening already. What the hell is Bally Sports? Yeah, I it's very strange. Uh, I mean, Jack Jack had I mean really made me think about it more today. But it was, yeah, it's weird. It's just like a, a ugly eyesore type thing that's just like in our faces. It's like the replacement for Fox Sports regional networks. Mm-hmm. Uh, so every team that was on a Fox Sports like RSN. For their games, regional sports networks for their games, like the Diamondbacks or the Brewers were on Fox Sports Wisconsin or whatever. Uh, those are all being broadcast out on the replacement for Fox Sports called Bally Sports, the Bally Sports Network. And my God, the, the score bug for these oh, games boy. are horrible. They're terrible. So, They're they so not, They so literally ugly. put a template in and they moved on. You should never have... I'm not a professional, and I know this. You don't put a text ticker on your score bug. You put it beneath the score bug. And people are like, oh, Jack, that's not that big a deal. No, when I'm watching, a, when I want to check a score, all I want to do is check a score or see how hard a ball is thrown or what the count is, God forbid, or what inning it is. I don't want right next to me this like, like, 
two by like, like literally like two pixel long strip of text that is just constantly cycling in and out. I don't care for that. It makes me no. dip. It's, it's ugly. The it's, whole template is ugly. Facebook streams looked better than the Bally Sports stream. And I have nothing against Bally's. Literally, I don't care that they replaced Fox and Fox Sports. Great, whatever. Mm. Just fix the scorebook. It's horrible. It, it's distracting too. Yeah. It's just like, it's like I want to watch baseball. Like I don't want to have this thing like like that I have to like keep looking over at because I see it in the corner of my eye, you know, like like every single second, you know, it's 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 bad. Um and it's like on opening weekend too, it's just like I don't know. It's very, uh, very confusing. Here's what I've, I've heard as the, as the quote unquote resident sports broadcasting student, what I've heard about the Bally bug is that they, as kind of more States open up sports betting, they want to be, you know, on, on front of, on the top of that, that curve, you know, ahead of that curve. And those little on the right side of the, the score bug where it, it shows like all the scores and stuff they want to start at some point putting betting lines there, which like, sure, whatever, but like, don't put it in the score bug, make it no. separate. Do it, it, do it. Do the ticker that like every other sports network does at the bottom of the screen. SNY's done it. Yes. Network's done it. ESPN obviously has done yeah. it for years. Do <laughs> that. Do it in that form and have the score bug that has the score and the, the amount of runners on base and the outs and the count and the, the, the pitch speed have that somewhere else and design it better it's so ugly it's an eyesore it's huge and it takes up so much of the bottom of the screen and you can't even really if there's two outs or no outs it's it's really hard to tell because mm-hmm. it's not obvious how many outs there are unless there's one out mm-hmm. just the oh, nature of how it looks there's real there's there's no reason to reinvent the wheel like you said i mean espn has been doing it since we were kids and probably even before that you know so um and i think most people would agree that it would be just nice to have it at the bottom of the screen where it's not in the way and you can kind of tune in and out as you please yeah it's i I don't know man and you would think if they're gonna try and reinvent the wheel like they'd at least think to like color code which team is which they don't even do that which is listen i think it's fine but also like I mean, it just reminds me of, like the old like score bugs that like the Mets used to have on SNY when like they were first starting out. Like, mm-hmm. I think like 2006, 2007, but at least those ones just stayed in one place. And if you needed to check them, it wasn't that big a deal. And I know that it sounds like it sounds like crying over spilled milk to talk about like freaking, you know, score bugs, but like that is the most constant thing in a baseball game is that box of numbers and letters. And if it's constantly moving around and like, I just don't want to deal with that. I don't know. It, it, mm-hmm. It's stressful. It's weird. It's like this weird psychological thing for me. And I just, I, 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 I don't like it. That's yeah. kind of what I have on it. And mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. It, it's bad. And I hope we can bully them as a society and as a fan base into changing it. Just like, you know, people did with like the Sonic the Hedgehog movie design. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> it's a great, great uh great comparison some people sometimes bullying works and for good reason we should we should we should do it more not like vulnerable people but like networks should be oh yes corporations we should bully corporations Uh, there's a that kind of leads into a conversation like what is you know sny's kind of change usually changes their scorebook every few years and 
there was a new one last year, which I honestly like the score bug that they have. I like uh, from last year. It's not my favorite they've ever done, but what do you guys? Uh, we have some photos here to, for us to look at for reference. What are you guys' favorites score bugs that SNY's done for Mets games? Mm. I think that like they're uh, like each year it's like slightly different. Um, so like I don't love how they do sometimes um, where hold on, I'm trying to find it here. I like the I think this is 06. They had just like this, like the square. I'm showing it to, to Sam yeah, and yeah. Jack here. Uh, you guys can't see it, obviously, but um, they just had it in like the top right corner. It was really simple. Um, I like that, but like maybe if they had like one more bar underneath with just like the, the balls and the strikes would be good. Um, otherwise, it could be a little. And then the one uh, like from like 2010, I think, where it had like the, the two teams, the inning, the base runners, and then like the, the count and the outs. Is also kind of, good. Kind of in a bar across the top of the yeah, screen. yeah, like 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 that one. Yeah, yeah, simple. You know, you have everything. You have everything laid out. Nothing's bottled. Like you can like see what you need to see all at once. I like it when it's like tucked away. Like that's why I really like the new one because it's just sort of in its own corner and it doesn't mm-hmm. bother you. But if you need it for reference, it is everything too. Like even as like pitch pitch count, which. It's weird to think, I mean, because I was watching, um, I was watching, so basically like me and my girlfriend, we've been watching like old Mets games, just mm-hmm. like I, I introduced her to uh, like game six of the 86 World Series. And I didn't even, it didn't even dawn on me, but like they didn't even show scores back then. Like mm-hmm. you needed to yeah. like the end of an inning or the start of an inning. And I was like, you know, I, I didn't know what to tell her. She's like, what's the score? Like what's happening? I was just like, you just got you just gotta wait like it, it's weird yeah I'm, I'm happy you brought that up because i i was going to as well um and you ever watch like i i always think it's kind of funny because it's so cheesy like when guys would hit home runs and then it would like you'd, you'd like see them circling the base paths and it would be like flashing their name at the bottom of the screen yeah. it'd be like ron yeah. swoboda ron swoboda ron swoboda oh, yeah. That's cool. <laughs> it's like super cheesy but like i would love if they brought it back uh, and it's cool because you could um, there's like a game mode in MLB the show where you can play it in like yeah I forget retro. what like kind of retro mode and retro, it's like it's yeah. similar to that it's yeah. like it's like watching an old game from like the 80s it's really cool two things first of all Jack sick girlfriend brag uh, yes two I I, 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 I like the uh, the current I I like SNY went back to the kind of box one, like a smaller rectangle in the top left corner of the screen uh, in like 2012 and has varied it since. And I like that. I prefer that to the bar going across the top of the screen. And I kind of, one thing I appreciate about SNY is they've never done the box in the bottom right corner that like Fox sports and a lot of other networks do where it's in the, in the bottom of the screen, the bottom right Mm -hmm. corner. I don't know why. I just prefer it in the top left as yeah, opposed same. to like the bottom right. For whatever reason, I just think it's it's more out of the way there. It feels buried almost. Like it feels like it feels like it gets kind of like lost in like the rest of the action that's going on. I just I don't know. I appreciate it. I like the current one. I think I liked the one from like 2012 to 2014. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was kind of metallic and I don't know. It was aesthetically pleasing to me. I enjoyed it, but yeah, mm-hmm. all of them, everything SNY has ever done easily better than the Valley sports one. Um, 
SMY had it down, man. They they had it down from the beginning, and uh, it's just been been that way ever since. All my homies hate Valley Sports. All the real ones hate Valley Sports. <laughs> yeah, and like the I don't know, man. I think about I think part of why I like the 2021, and I I realize that like we've just been talking about score bugs for like 10 minutes, but like it does <laughs> of uh like it reminds me of the old one. It reminds me of like the the black jersey era, like Lasting's Millage era team, because it reminds me of the score bug. It's so stupid, but like things like that actually do go a long way. I don't know, like little nuances like that. Like, I don't know. I like that a lot. I think it's very personal to like the experience of being a baseball fan. I know Rob do a lot of stuff like that with, um, with real Mets legends. I mean, it, you know, it's obviously it started out as just like, uh, just like random guys shit posting, but you guys actually have a podcast now, right? Yeah, I mean, so I actually had uh, started. So, so when I first made a Twitter account like ten years ago, I guess like the very early days of Mets Twitter, like the only person I can remember from that era, like that's still on there, is uh, Shannon, whose whose handle is Miss Met. Mm-hmm. I, fo- I followed her for like ten years, but. She's like the only person from that era that like I, I think is still around. Um, and uh, there was like this, like every once in a while, it'd be like a thread of like name that random met. And it would just be like Jose Vizcaino, uh, you know, Jose Offerman, um, who, Duaner Sanchez, whoever it was. And so like, I always loved just like that, like nostalgia and like certain guys, you see their name and you're just like, it just like really strikes you like to the core where you're like, I totally forgot that guy was on the Mets. Um, and so that kind of like sensation started up again, like a few years ago, I feel like where like, um, you know, on Twitter became just like this joke to like call like players that were bad on teams legends. And I had made an account called random Mets players, which I know sounds super catchy, um, but it had like a few thousand followers, but I just stopped contributing to it ultimately and um, deactivated the account. And then I, I like a year later, I like really missed doing it because it was fun and I loved the interactions I got. And so I, I made another one back in like this in the fall and um, I was doing it by myself for a bit and just, you know, kind of just posting like a, a player a day. And then I started to move on to doing like a video on a player a day. And then um my buddy, Mike Rosen, who I went to college with, he was the, the, the sports editor on the, the new Paltz Oracle. When I was there, we worked together. He's a huge Mets fan too. And, uh, you know, him and I were talking one night and I was like, Hey man, like, you know, like you're a Mets encyclopedia, you know, more about the Mets than, than so many people, like, even like me, like he knows a lot about like really old school Mets teams, like teams from the sixties, seventies. I don't really even know a lot about. And uh, he just, he loves the game. And so I was just like, yeah, like, uh, would you want to run this account with me? You know, I don't know exactly what direction it's going in, but I'd really like to to do this with you. I think it'd be a good, like, just thing for a fun thing for us to do. And so he, uh, he joined and it kind of just like bounced between like, I would post like a picture that day, he'd post a video and this and that. And um, we've kind of just been trying to build it from there. Uh, I think that there's like, the Mets are such like an interesting franchise. And like, you just see it with, with how Mets Twitter is, where it's like, 
uh, it's so vast and there's so many people that love this team and there's like a million blogs about the team and each season there's, there's even more. And um, it's just, it's really fun. And like over the years, they've had some, some really funny guys that have played for the team, like Brooks pounders. Uh, and so it was something that like, I felt like had a lot of potential where it was like, yeah, there's a lot of blogs out there. There's a lot of, there's a lot of, uh, same kind of content being produced and uh and all that stuff's really fun but i for me it was like i think it's fun to highlight like those those guys that you may have forgotten about uh even if they weren't really like substantial or important in the long run like some of these guys did have like interesting moments like like luis hernandez hitting a home run after breaking his pitch with a foul ball like the like the pitch before that like that's some, that's stuff that people probably don't remember, but it's, it's, it's interesting. Um, and so, uh, I thought a podcast would be really fun, um, for us to do. We recorded our first episode last week. Uh, we wanted to kind of launch it before opening day. Um, so we talked about some opening day moments, um, you know, kind of from Kaz Matsui homering and on opening day for the first three years of his career, uh, Colin Calgill's Grand Slam, Andrew Brown's home run off Strasburg. So uh, a lot of interesting Mets opening day moments, but yeah, a lot of good stuff coming up. Um, you know, we're in the process of making a, a, a co-located blog with the, with the Twitter account and, uh, you know, doing some cool giveaways and, and stuff like that. So uh, just a lot of fun. I mean, we, we, we really are just uh, having a blast doing it and, um, you know, if we get laughs out of people and people enjoy like seeing us on their feeds, that's all we really want. Are there any plans in the immediate future to bring a Mets legend on the podcast? And if you had the choice to bring a Mets legend on the podcast and don't say like, David, don't give us an, like a Mets legend, like a Mets yeah. legend that you would like to have on the podcast. Who would it be? Yeah, totally. I mean, so I think that the guy that like, for me is like the, the pinnacle of Mets legends is lasting the millage. Like, I think that he's like, I don't know. Like I love the guy so much. Like I remember watching him. Like I was, I remember watching the game where he hit that home run and then he was like dapping up the fans as he was running down <laughs> back to, back to defense. And uh, you know, it just uh, lasting's millage is one of those guys who really sums up like the Mets in a lot of ways where it's like, you know, huge potential, uh, you know, outfielder with pop guy that they, they want to build around who just like really flames out. Um, but just like had a lot of swag, just had a lot of like, uh, like interesting, like vibes. Um, so yeah, blasting thrillage would definitely be my, my guest. Um, but also I, I, a guy who, who frequents our, our page is, uh, cousins with frank catalanato uh, oh so God. like oh so God. like i'm definitely gonna like be like hey like let's get frank catalanato on the cast i think that'd be uh you know smith smith town's own that'd be kind of yeah, kind of fun real long island call there jesus yes absolutely yeah. so i think that'd be a lot of fun so, Rob, we gotta probably transition i think this is a perfect opportunity to transition yeah. to our remembering guys of the week mm-hmm. uh so you are the expert here so to speak, uh, are we? Re- is your guy going to be Last Things Millage? Is he going to be Frank Calinato? Are you remembering someone else this week? I'm remembering someone else, and I think that uh, everybody who's listening to this needs to remember 
mid two thousands reliever Mike Dijon. Oh my god! <laughs> Is that how you pronounce his name? Is it Dijon or Dijon? I think it's Dijon. Yeah, like like Dijon mustard. Um, nah, but uh, I th- it's either Dijon or my time. I don't actually have any memories of Mike D- Dijon. I had like, I think obviously that was well. He was who was that like oh four oh five? Was he around when Coop was around? Yeah, I think he was. I think they acquired him mid season in either oh four oh five. Oh four, and he like okay. So I could be wrong, like. But I kind of remember him being okay out of the bullpen. Like I like he could have been really bad, but like it seemed like he was he was decent. The Mets didn't have very good bullpens back then, so um, I could he could have just been like less bad. But. So Rob, <laughs> in two thousand four for the Mets, he in seventeen appearances had a one point six nine ERA. There you and go. Then, he was pretty good. <laughs> and then in two thousand five, he in twenty eight appearances had a six point three one. Okay, and got released. <laughs> in two. So he was like a Fernando Salas type guy for, for sure. that era of the Mets. Yeah. I'm, I'm also, I'm also remembering a reliever, uh, but he also was also kind of a starter sometimes. And the, when I'm looking at it, I can't believe he only spent one year on this team. He's, he relieved, he was, he, he appeared in 53 games, started 12 of them uh, as a 35 year old rookie. I'm remembering Hisanori Takahashi. Yes, yes. It was his birthday the other day, actually. So yes, happy birthday, Hisanori Takahashi. I think that's why I'm remembering him. Yeah. He went on from the Mets to the Angels after in, in 2011. He only spent one year with the Mets, which he was, like, good. He was. No, he was He was actually really solid. Like, he he totally could have – if he came over, like, a few years earlier, he could have been, like, a, like a stalwart in that Mets bullpen. Yeah. He had a 3.61 ERA in those 53 appearances. 120. He started. He started some games for them. I don't even remember that. Well, their rotation was like they had because basically, if I'm not mistaken, that rotation was like they didn't have Ra Dickey. They didn't realize how good Dickey was until like June or so. Like they didn't even call him up until then. And Maine and Perez were both hurt and bad. So they needed like guys like I think uh, Raul Valdez pitched a couple games too. It was that oh, era man. of like they might have even started a game at that point. He did. He he did start back then. I remember that. Twenty ten baby. Fernando um, Nieve. Yeah, him too. Nightly Nieve. Uh, he might have been one of the first guys we ever remembered on the pod. Actually, he, he's know. he's a guy. Yeah. So right my there. guy is. Um, it's funny, Sam. I also have uh, an East Asian left-handed pitcher, uh, and I actually gave it away a few seconds ago. But I'm remembering uh, Ku Dai Sung. Dai Sung. Yes. Uh, oh my God. Yes. People. Yeah. So he's for those who don't know the story about him. Uh, he was only around for a year, like Takahashi. Uh, is more known for his hitting than his pitching because he only had two career at bats. Uh, in the first one, he like struck out looking on three pitches, looked very uninterested in uh, against Randy the Johnson. At, he did not look like he well, no, that wasn't Randy Johnson. This was before Randy Johnson. Oh, I thought so, they were both against him. Well, with that context, uh, the Mets decided to hit him against Randy Johnson, like I think like two weeks after that. And the scouting report on Koo was basically, yeah, he's just standing there, like just throw mm-hmm. the ball over the plate. So Johnson, Randy, like 43-year-old Randy Johnson did that. 
and Ku hit a ball out to center field. He hit a ball like 400 feet out to center field, yeah. up against the wall. He got a double out of it. And then he like scored a run on like a fielder's choice. Like he came around from second on a fielder's choice to score. Yeah. There was no one covering or something. And yeah. he, and he, and he came, he went second to home. Yeah. Um, and what's sad about Ku is that, well, first off the good, the cool thing about him is I think he's still pitching. He's now like 51 going on 52 and he's still pitching in some circles, uh, not in the KBO, but like an independent Korean league. Um, yeah, he's sick. The Mets cut him before 2006. Like they literally released him from their like spring training camp. Like that really super fun team, you know, that won 97 games and had a very formidable bullpen. Uh, he hurt himself on that play. That's yeah. yeah. Yeah, he had a he had a ball in his uh, he had like a baseball in his windbreaker, and I think when he slid, he it, it, it messed him up. Her shoulder. Yeah, and I think that's part of the reason he went back to Korea is because he uh, he was hurt. Did you guys ever see the uh, the John Boys video on 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 uh, Ku Dai Song that he did? How dare you say that name here? <laughs> uh, not John Boy. John John Boys like oh John like, Boys not not John Boy John Boys B O I S yeah no oh, not boy. definitely not John oh boy. okay yes, <laughs> I love John Boys don't like John yes boys, regardless. no yeah me too uh but but John Boys talked about how like Kudai Sung would just like hide behind like a pile of laundry like in the clubhouse for like no reason like he didn't even like it's, great. it's a great video it's like a so good video you guys should so all watch. good really yeah. good. Um, so good all right it's baseball tomorrow there will be baseball when you guys are listening to this hopefully yes yeah right uh before we go real quick i just want to shout out your mean mercedes started his his major league career out eight for eight that was electric we are well this is a very pro your mean mercedes uh account and regardless i just had to get that reference in there real quick because i love him he's so thick and he just hits the crap out of baseballs, apparently. Uh, but yes. regardless, regardless, that's all the time we have on this episode of Pleasant of the Pleasant Good Evening Podcast. Thank you so much, Rob Pearsall, for joining us. And for Rob Pearsall and Jack Hendon, Mets fans, have a pleasant good evening.